Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levitsky, Senior Editor. Hey, everybody. Well, Mara, there was a big behind-the-scenes shakeup at The Young and the Restless. Mal Young, the show's executive producer and head writer, is out and will be replaced by the show's former head writer, Josh Griffith, and longtime producer, Tony Marina. Now, there's been a lot of fan backlash over the past few months about the goings-on in Genoa City. I would say that when Doug Davidson revealed that he had been taken off contract earlier this year, it really sent it into overdrive. Plus, we saw the surprise exits of Melissa Claire Egan, Michelle Morgan, and then Eileen Davidson, and a slew of new faces on the canvas. So our inbox has really received a lot of negative emails about the show of late. Yeah, you know, well, I think it's that combination, uh, which is, you know, a sense on the part of fans that vets aren't being valued in tandem with a lot of unfamiliar faces that is sort of the classic recipe for viewer discontent where soaps are concerned. You know, I think there's a feeling among a lot of fans that maybe this was just too much change at once and the results felt really jarring. But, you know, as we're saying this, there's a lot to really praise about, you know, kind of what went on last year on screen on YNR, you know, namely the JT story and the unfolding mystery, which we named best story in the best and worst issue recently. And also the Abbott family drama was excellent. You know, it gave so much great material to Peter Bergman and Eileen and Beth Maitland. I mean, really the whole family. It was so well constructed and definitely a high point. But what we didn't see this year was a lot of Victor, actually. And I have to tell Mm. you... It does not matter who I meet, anyone who watches Young and the Restless, the first person they ask me about is Eric Braden and Victor Newman. And I mean, it's fair to say that he is the face of the show. I mean, the person who is the most identified with it and not having him driving story also does not sit well with the audience. I think that is totally an astute point. You know, when I think about the characters that are really in that upper echelon of being so visible that they have sort of penetrated the mainstream, there aren't that many of them. And I, you know, I think of Erica Kane. Uh, Luke and Laura Spencer, Marlena Evans, and Victor Newman. And it's interesting that, of course, one of the biggest stories this year in soaps in general was the outcry from GH fans over Laura's absence. Now, she has come roaring back into storyline prominence, and I certainly hope that we'll be saying the same about Victor in 2019, because he is a big deal in Genoa City and to the people tuning into that show. You know, and I'm sure people feel the same way about Doug Davidson and would love to see Paul back in town. And, you know, it's interesting because I do understand the need— and desire of the shows to bring in new faces. But I think that there has to be sort of a reality check about who the audience is in 2018 and soon to be 2019. You know, you're not really building a huge 20-something viewership. 
You know, I feel the majority of the soap audience is comprised of people who have been watching for decades and want to still see the people they've been watching for decades. You know, they're not looking for like new families or a lot of new faces. 100%. And, you know, back in the day, perhaps you had a super couple and, you know, they got their decade, decade plus on the front burner. And then they were shifted maybe to more B story and you saw another couple come in. But you can't really do that now. I mean, look at what happened at days when Stephen Nichols left and the reactions the fan had, mm-hmm. the fans had, and that was, you know, they're certainly still having today. You know, they want to see Patch and Kayla driving story 30 years after that couple first got married. You know, this is making me uh, think about how I was recently watching a scene that that happened to be uh, Chase and Willow's, like, first date on General Hospital. You know, those are two new characters. And I, I like them individually, like, just fine. And they're clearly building a love triangle with a more veteran character, Michael. But for some reason, as I was watching it, You know, this standalone scene with two people who did not exist in the Port Charles universe prior to this year, it just really stood out to me, like, that if I was a lapsed viewer tuning in, if I saw two people that I didn't know who, as far as we know, are not connected to any core people uh, in the Port Charles canon, I I would probably flip my channel and it would most likely be to HGTV. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, that is the point that I make all the time, and I'm sure I've said it here before, but the value is getting the lapsed viewer back mm-hmm. because there are people out there who are homesick one day and they tune in and they're like, oh my God, I saw my favorites and all, right. and they will watch again. And, you know, I think that's what Days is doing very well right now. I mean, you look at the stories they're telling, you have Hope pushing back on Sierra and Ben's relationship, Maggie grounding Sarah on screen, and then you have Julie mixed in with the Gabby Abigail storyline. So chances are you're not going to see a scene with two people you don't know if you haven't watched in a while. Absolutely. And there's certainly something to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so our guest today is actually Susan Seaforth Hayes, who plays Julie and just marked 50 amazing years since her day's debut. Let's get her on the phone to talk about it. Hi, Susan. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, I'm fine. My work day is finished, so it's and the sun is shining, so that's good. So you are here with me and with Mara Levinsky, my Hi. senior editor. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Grand. Looking forward to talking. Yes, so me are we. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> First of all, congratulations are certainly in order on your 50th anniversary of your debut on Days. I can't believe it's come to this. <laughs> I really can't. Um, the special episode was just so amazing. I loved seeing just your first scene. Um, when's the last time you had even seen it? I had never seen it. Oh, wow. wow. I had never seen it. So, uh, I, or I, I would have told myself immediately, look up, don't look down, (laughs) uh, look towards the camera. Don't look towards your knees. So, uh, that, that took a bit of, of, uh, learning and getting to see myself. That was during that, those first, uh, few months on days, uh, like most actresses, I hated everything I saw of myself on camera and it took a long time to get over being astonished at the way I looked, that I didn't look like uh, uh, Marlena Dietrich after all, or Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor. Come uh, on now. And, no, no, getting used to getting used to yourself on camera and getting over getting over it, and then looking at well, what's the performance like? What's the acting like? That takes a little that takes a little bit of time, and uh, it took me, I think, the usual amount of time. So. But I was thrilled to see it. I was amazed that they could find it. You know, our show has been shipped all over the world, and some of those shows have been lost. I think we were just lucky to uh, to have such a big collection uh, to choose from, to put in the montage. I was 
Billy and I were both thrilled, really thrilled. I, I was more, the more thrilled because Bill got to sing again uh, on the montage. That wasn't an old recording. It was a brand new one. Oh, really? Uh, he sounded great. And, uh, yeah, uh, Ken Corday decided to do that. That was his gift to us. Uh, it cost him a lot of money. We recorded it at Capitol Records in Hollywood and with wonderful session musicians. And Bill asked if he could write the arrangement, and, they, and he did. <laughs> and it was just a wonderful day in the studio there. That was just a, a wonderful, wonderful gift. That is so special. It was such a great episode. Yeah. 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 And then I've had uh, some storyline around that time, which was, it just all came together around the same time. So that's been very sweet. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, so first of all, Just 50 is such an incredible you know, Mark, for any show, for any actor, for anything, um, what does it mean to you to have been on the show this long? And did you ever think you would still be here in when you started in 1968? Well, I don't think anyone expected the show to have this, this length of time uh, with our fans, with the audience, that, that long entanglement generation after generation. Uh, it, it becomes a part of everyone's family. Uh, people tell me, uh, people of a certain age look at me and I say, and I say, you've been watching? And they say yes. Or people of another age, I look and said, your mother introduced? Yes. Or sometimes your grandmother? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a part of their lives, and it's certainly been a huge part of my life, um, getting to marry the man I was working with and to stay married, happily married. Whether or not you're happily married on the show has nothing to do with uh, real life, but it was a beautiful piece of casting uh, for me. And my emotions about the show are are not mixed. I still love it. Uh, I still love coming to work. Uh, it's um, a challenge every day because things is, things change all the time. Uh, the cast changes uh, yearly. Uh, writers change. We've had uh, producers change. And we are at a moment right now, all of us, where I think everybody that's on this show and working on this show is happy to be here. Uh, and any departures are because the uh, the writer wanted to go in a different direction with the character or wanted to do another another kind of a story. Uh, but people don't quit this show because they're, they, they don't quit this show anymore. They're they're happy. And uh, Ken is happy. Uh, Ken rewarded me with a phone call this week when he had seen uh, a particular air show, the air show where I got pushed down the staircase and had a big fight with Gabby. Oh, we'll be talking and about those. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a kind of phone call of affirmation and appreciation that you you can wait a whole lifetime for and never get. And uh, I was quite quite blown away, quite thrilled, and very, very grateful that he made that call to me because it, uh, it, was, a it was more than a gesture. It was like a, a gift from the past. When I think of all the people who, have, who are no longer with us, who were part of our original circle, uh, and of course Ken was always part of the original circle. He inherited the show, but he grew up with it too. You know, he grew up at the dining room table hearing his mother and father fight about the actors and actresses on the show. <laughs> <laughs> he reminded me of that. 
he reminded me of that years ago. So um, it, it was really great. It was really great to hear from him. So, Susan, I remember interviewing Denise Alexander, who was your co-star on Days when the show turned 50, and being so charmed by her warm stories about her friendship with you and with Susan Flannery, who I believe she called Flannels. Um, take me back oh, yeah, to, wow. you know, your memory of working with those women and your friendships with them and, you know, just life on, this, on the show in the early years in general. Well, in the early years, I had come from another soap opera. I had come from an ABC show called The Young Marrieds, where I first worked with Peggy McKay. And I had played a model on that show. And I came on today's and was astonished at how little makeup the ladies were wearing, how they liked the natural look. And Flannels was um, an incredibly strong character, a strong actress, and a strong human being. Uh, she had uh, things to say about scenes, and her input was uh, respected. Uh, Denise had been an integral part of the very first years of uh, Days of Our Lives. In fact, I don't think uh, Ted Corday, the original producer, would have gone on with the show without her character being on the show and Denise playing the character of Susan Martin. He loved her. And she had more, even more soap experience than I did, so I was a bit in awe of Denise, uh, certainly in awe of the fact that she could cry so easily, so beautifully. Um, I thought a lot of the actresses, and we were very much a tight little unit, kind of headed by, by Frances Reed. Um, it was a cast maybe of 12 and everybody had a lot of work to do. That was a half-hour show then, but we had very long scenes. The scene wasn't two pages. A scene would be six pages, eight pages, ten pages, fifteen pages, and uh, you had to be prepared. I had learned as a child actress to work hard and arrive knowing my material, but uh, most of the cast had worked longer and harder than I had and knew that they had lots of pages every day. So they didn't learn it way ahead, and we had rehearsal time then. And sometimes Flannery would come in and open a script for the first time at 6 o'clock in the morning, and by the time we went to tape at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, she had memorized a whole show. But she arrived fresh as a daisy and not knowing exactly what the day was going to hold. <laughs> I admired that. Wow, I really admired that. When you look back at Julie's early stories, which ones stand out to you or do you look back on with, you know, affection or ones that just you really liked playing? Well, the romance with, that began with Bill Hayes was the most fun. Prior to that, it had been uh, storylines of anguish over getting custody of a, of a child that I had placed up for adoption. My son, David, that was um, a tense time. And then when the, when the romance began to unfold, uh, it was delightful. I think it was delightful for the audience and delightful for me. I didn't realize at that moment that Bill Bell had decided we were never, ever going to be together. It was going to be uh, the missed opportunity, the, the man that got away. And if I'd known that at the beginning, I might not have allowed myself to fall so deeply in love with Bill so quickly. However, uh, Bill Bell left our show to write uh, The Young and the Restless. And as soon as he was gone, 
uh, Doug and Julie got to get married. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I vividly remember the day when our producer, Jack Kersberg, at that time said, nope, you're not going to be working with Bill Hayes anymore. He's going to be working with your your mother's character. You're done. (laughs) (laughs) It was was like the end of the world for me. Well, I loved a lot of the stuff that Julie got to do. she got to uh, shoot the man who attacked her. She got to uh, be in detective um, disguises. She got to travel to Europe. She got to uh, be romanced by several fellas, marry the wrong, marry a couple of the wrong guys. Uh, she had a full career as a uh, as an ingenue turning into a leading lady. And now that she's turned into a character woman. Uh, she watches the leading ladies of the ingenues have those kinds of stories while she gives advice, which is pretty much what my role is in real life. So it should fit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how uh, successful that triangle that Julie had with Addie and and Doug was. It became sort of a template for kind of a classic soap opera story. But uh, you were really, if not the first, certainly among the first. Yes, and uh, people remember it vividly. And we were, Billy went on Twitter last week, and we found the scene from our wedding day, our first wedding day, where Doug gives me his mother's pearls that he has been saving for hope, but he takes them out of the safety deposit box and gives them to me to then pass on to hope in years to come. And it was such a beautiful scene that honored his love for Addie and his love for me, my love for my mother, it, was, it sounds like a, an awkward thing to do, but it wasn't awkward at all. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And I had never seen that before. Or if I, I did, I hadn't seen it since 1976. And it was like, uh, gee, that was good stuff. And that was ours. And uh, we kind of owned it. And it was, it was beautiful. I mean, there have been many beautiful moments attached to Julie's past, both romantic and tragic and and incredibly rich to play. And then in more recent years, there's been uh, other kinds of riches to play, the connections that you have to your grandchildren, the connections that you have to your daughter, uh, those things. I'm glad that Julie has... I'm, one thing I'm glad of is that Julie has never been uh, cast as a cougar type uh, in search of other men, uh, desperate for uh, a trip to the bedroom. When I was represented by an agent that set me out on for other jobs, I went through a period of that was the only kind of material I was I was being sent out for, and uh, I found it shallow and degrading and kind of stupid. I know it's the source of much, uh, a great many popular films, <laughs> but it's one way of looking. It's one way of looking at a woman of a certain age that's demeaning and kind of crass. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that that's never been. We don't see those kind of stories on our show, and I'm really glad of it. Well, speaking of mothers, your own mother, Elizabeth Harrower, was the head writer of Days when you were there. Um, what was that like for the two of you right. to work together? It was difficult. Um, I saw that she was working too hard. She was a micromanager, and she attempted to write, rewrite, write everything. Uh, and she, she, did, she wasn't given a large staff, 
And so she was writing everything, and I saw her energy going. I saw her really getting overtired, which concerned me. And then there was the difficulty of other cast members coming up to me and saying, you know, if you could tell your mother that I'd really... Would your mother be interested? I have this idea. Uh, And I'm not really happy. And please tell Elizabeth. And when we reached a moment where my husband wasn't happy with what my mother was writing, I had to see a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And my producer sent me... And my producer sent me to a therapist, and he explained to me, uh, it's because you don't have any, any place to get away from this show. Your family is the show. Your husband is the show. The show is your show. You need to get another point of view or have a few hours off. And uh, it was very helpful. It was very helpful. I think Mother enjoyed, enjoyed the responsibility because she had been an actress and she was really a natural writer, much more of a writer than a performer. And when she was working, she was trained by Bill Bell. And when she was working with him, those were undoubtedly the happiest years of her life. No question about it. And now that I write a little bit with my husband, so we're working on another novel, I understand that feeling of power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand, yeah. Yeah, I understand it, and I, I sympathize. I mean, we're working on a novel. We're not writing scripts. We're not writing a day-to-day show like, like this is. But um, the idea that anything you think of, you can put down and then see it and maybe see it come to life someday, that's, it's a big thrill. It's a big thrill. Did you know Bill Bell at all as an actor on the show that he was writing? Yes. I knew Bill Bell. Um, Lee Bell had interviewed Bill Hayes in Chicago when she had her television show there and thought the world in all of him. And when he was cast on Days of Our Lives by Bill Bell, he realized that was the Bill Hayes who sang, and it was his idea to put uh, a nightclub on the show where Billy would perform. And he was quite a good friend to us. Uh, We had times in Chicago where we stayed at their apartment. Uh, We visited them at Lake Geneva one very memorable summer. We had a little trip out to Lake Geneva when the children were all little kids. (laughs) Um, He made my mother's career. He picked her out of the uh, fishbowl of the world and uh, trained her. So she lived in apartments in Chicago that were owned by the Bells. She had loved him. She mm-hmm. loved him as much as she ever loved my dad. And that kind of, that kind of glow uh, came, came to us. Uh, he was generous to us. He was uh, generous to me. He put me on Young and Restless. Um, I could usually talk to him. I could reach out to him and, and discuss things with him. And I thought he was indeed the great lion of daytime in the years when he was working, uh, and the Lion King of daytime. I was, I think it's because of Bill Bell that I'm happily married, that my mother had a career, and that I had a, a nice run on Days of Our Lives. I, I owe it all to, to one man. Any one I of really those is that. pretty special. To have all of them is, is, is incredibly so. And to have all of it was great. And he came to my mom's funeral. And uh, 
yeah, he's a, a quite a guy. Well, let's talk about the main bill in your life, Mr. Bill Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what you, what were your initial yes. thoughts when you first met him or first laid eyes on him at the Days Studio back in 1970, I believe it was. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't quite believe it. I had purchased his records. I had seen him on stage, and I had watched him on television. And in those experiences, I thought he was adorable. And there he was, just 20 feet away across the room, in a pair of um, candy-striped pants that were taffy and ivory. Uh, He was lighthearted. He was excited to be doing this show. He was under pressure because he had... uh, he had custody of his four children. Uh, his wife had uh, left him uh, and married someone else. And he was running a household filled with teenagers and doing this show, being paid very sparsely, uh, making ends meet, and finding his way. He'd never lived in California. Uh, and he was thrilled by the level of uh, professionalism on Days of Our Lives. He was a a very professional person himself, uh, always arrived knowing what he was doing, uh, courteous, uh, thoughtful, creative, uh, admirable, and had that musical background that made him an actor and and something more, something more... His attack was a theater attack. He, uh, he knew the camera. He trusted the camera. But he brought so much life to the show. He brought so much life to the show, everyone noticed. And Bill Bell noticed. And uh, I sure as hell noticed. Uh, he, he brought an enchantment to it that a doctor and a lawyer never could. The the characters, the established Horton family was establishment, uh, uh, middle America, all good guys. And his character was not just a good guy. His character was uh, racy and unpredictable and maybe devious, but so charming. And every woman in the cast adored him. And all the guys did too. It it was uh, a great, a great turning, I think, in daytime when the element of music was added. And that all came out of Bill Hayes. For one thing, he could write his own arrangements, and that means they didn't have to pay for them. Columbia Pictures uh, owned the show at that moment, which meant that we had the whole Columbia music catalog that only cost a dollar to use, which is one of the reasons he sang The Look of Love to me so often. It only cost a dollar. It also... We also sang the last train to take the last train to Clarksville, recorded by the Monkees. But that wasn't quite the hit with the audience that the Look of Love was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, were you ever reluctant to get involved with a co-star? Not with him. I had seen that happen uh, when I worked on General Hospital. I had seen two. Um, an ingenue and a younger leading man get involved with each other and get uninvolved with each other, and it made for a great deal of uh, discomfort for them personally on the set. 
And my mother had told me as I was growing up, I never want to see you get involved with an actor or a male nurse. <laughs> what she had against male nurses, I, ne- I never quite understood. But, but she had been an actress all her life, and she didn't think that there was much solidity in, in, uh, in actors, I guess. And I found them to be just like anybody else, but maybe a bit more fun. <laughs> and Bill Hayes was... Uh, not an average guy in, in any way. And mother fell for him too. And in real life, my mother adored Billy. And uh, consequently, there was no problem when he decided to, to marry me and went to my mother and asked for my hand on bended knee from her. Oh, wow. uh, She said, well, uh, yeah, he brought over a red rose and his white cowboy hat. And, um, may I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And she said to him, nope, you have to take the whole girl. (laughs) (laughs) I am very glad she lifted the ban on actors. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, did you keep your relationship quiet from your cast or were you open about it when you first got together? I thought we were discreet, but everybody knew (laughs) exactly. Uh, Denise knew immediately. I was extremely close to her. Uh, we had the same religious background. We had uh, the same type of career starting as child actors. And uh, she saw it just like that. And apparently Bill Bell saw it just like that and started writing to it because he saw a chemistry between us and, and changed two storylines in order to develop a story for Doug and Julie together. So um, if I thought I was holding anything back, I failed. <laughs> I failed, yeah. So Doug and Julie, uh, you know, became a super couple and had many weddings that are held in such high regard and remembered so fondly by the audience. Do you have a favorite of their weddings? I really love the second wedding, uh, which is on, on our app. Uh, I loved it because we – because. Um, Bill sang Till There Was You, and uh, Patty Weaver sang uh, The Rose, which I had asked for, and Bill recited a poem that was written by his grandfather, and John Clark recited What It Is to Love. Uh, It was a beautiful day. Uh, Many people that we loved were uh, were working extra. Uh, some of our choir friends from church were working extra so we could have a good good voices to sing for the uh when we walked out having been uh been reunited it was a a lovely time we were supposed to ride go away in an ascension balloon but we couldn't get coverage for that we we couldn't get a permit to ascend a balloon in uh in Pasadena <laughs> <laughs> so I think we went away in a carriage instead, but it, it, that would be my favorite wedding. And the third wedding where uh, Doug and Julie were reunited was off camera. So I'm sure that would have been the best one of all because that's the one that stuck. But uh, where it happened and how it happened, the Raiders never told us. <laughs> well, it's a mystery to everyone. Um, yeah. Now, you and Bill also have the distinction of appearing on the cover of Time magazine in 1976. Um, what do you recall about yep. finding out that you were going to be on the cover and just sort of the reaction that you got from both the world of daytime and just the world? 
Uh, the reaction was, it was another surprise. They had photographed every, t- every soap opera. They had interviewed every soap, every show. And uh, we walked into the commissary and our publicist for NBC uh, walked up to the table and put the cover down in front of us, put the magazine down in front of us. And that was the first we'd heard about it. We had shot the pictures and done the story months before, and more important events had happened in the world, and we thought, well, we'd kind of forgotten about it and given up on it, and and there it was. It was a fairly accurate uh, story. They they calculated our salaries as much higher than they actually were, so we, mm. we had a jolly little laugh about that, uh, but we were honored, and pleased. Uh, I have nothing but happy memories about that. That was pretty much the peak of our exposure on the show. Uh, We were written out uh, a few years later and then returned and then written out again and then returned. And and now I think we're thought of as, uh, I think we're thought of as nostalgic characters who are very important for backward looks. It's been exciting to be involved with uh, the Gabby storyline. She's certainly the leading lady of the show right now. Our contributions as actors is uh, comes and goes, and it's been quite a thrill to be involved in something that's contemporary and uh, of the moment. Uh, I can only hope that might happen again sometime. Like I said, I love I love working. I love working, and it's nice to have meaty material to do. Well, you definitely had some meaty material that aired this week. Tell us about filming those scenes with Camilla Bannis. Uh, she was very careful about the physical stuff. Uh, very considerate. Um, we we do it pretty fast, and we did it completely out of sequence. The middle of the fight was photographed first, the beginning of the fight was photographed second, and the the fall down the stairs was, no wait, the middle of the fight was photographed first, then the fall down the stairs, and then the fight, the beginning of the fight. It was completely out of sequence. And being able to build, you know, build a scene from from A to B to Z, <laughs> She was very good about that, and I tried to be good about that, too. It's, it's just because we work in such a, uh, to such a tight schedule. Um, it was all dri- it's all driven by what set is up. And in order to have a staircase to fall down, you had to have a, a high place to, to start from. So that was shot one day and then all out of sequence, which... When it was cut together, I thought it looked pretty good. I was really happy about that. It's always hard to to hit people. Um, I had a, a scene with David when David was played by Richard Guthrie, my son David, <clears throat> where mother and son were having the, the usual adolescent uh, parent, adolescent child versus parent argument. And in the scene, I was supposed to hit him and I knew that this wasn't going to go well and I hit him and he burst into tears and left the studio 
Oh, oh no. He had a hard time with it. Oh, yes. And then we had to pick it up and do it again because we hadn't gotten it. And he felt that I was attacking him. And he hadn't been acting very long, hadn't been an actor very long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was all awful. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not a lot of fun. And whether you're getting hit or hitting, it's it's uh, it's not my ideal thing to do. I, as I said, I'd, I'd rather have a line than a than that kind of an activity. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're talking to you, it's holiday time, which of course is a big moment on days and the traditional hanging of the Horton ornaments. Um, I know you and I have talked about how much it means to the viewers to see those scenes. Um, What does it mean to you as actors to film them? It depends on how long you've been on the show, I think. Uh, For us, uh, for Billy and me, uh, Suzanne Rogers, Deidre Hall, it's uh, quite a a moment, something that we look forward to doing. We look forward to being involved. We look forward to having a kiss under the tree and some lines. Um, for people who have just come to the show, they may have heard about it, and it takes them a little bit of time to get into it, to, to realize that this is kind of the heart of uh, of the old days of our lives and the beating heart of today as well. We want to keep that. We want to keep that going. It's about the sanctity of family and... Uh, what is past and what is in the future. Um, we love doing it, and it's thankfully, it, it's always on. Uh, there was a time and there was a regime that wanted to burn down the Horton family home. They weren't God. using it. Uh, the head writer that we had at that time uh, wanted to trash the set, get rid of that, move on. And, uh, and Greg Meng saved it. So, <laughs> so I'm a little speechless. Yeah. yeah, so we get to we still get to have that moment. Our producer Greg Ming said, "No, no, 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 no." Well, thank you, now. Greg. My goodness. Um, you yeah. you said earlier. I just have to ask that uh, that you and your husband watched the anniversary episode. I want to hear about the experience of of watching that with him. And just how you felt watching it. Did, were you at home? Were you at work? Set the stage for me. Well, uh, we were working the day it was on the air. So I asked, could we have a copy made? And very kindly, I, I gave them the number. And it was the wrong show. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so you got all excited oh, to watch okay. it. And... I, I had given them the wrong number. I got it wrong. So there was that, the, that anticipation then now. Then we got the right number. And it sat at home on a a CD for three days before I could bring myself to look at it because I was afraid. I don't know what I was afraid of. I was afraid of looking back. That was it. And we watched it, and it was so gratifying and so lovely. Uh, Didn't cry, but sat there wreathed in smiles, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that lovely feeling of, oh, oh, it went well, you know. Oh, my birthday party went well. <laughs> it was it was it was just lovely. It was just lovely. I cried, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, wow. I loved it. Well, loved it. I guess it's extraordinary uh to have uh 
to have a character last this long, I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, Gunsmoke, sort of. I mean, there's some characters that have uh, been remembered, been, you know, been worth remembering. And I had given up on Julie being worth remembering. And I'd just kind of given that up because you'd like to be remembered, but you can't, you can't expect it in this medium. And uh, it was great great for the soul. <laughs> well, I feel like we've seen under Ron Carlovati's writing a lot more of Julian Doug and that he's really woven both of them much more into the action, you know, day to day in Salem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful to Ron. Uh, we, uh, we met him, um, in the commissary on one of his trips to Los Angeles when he first started writing the show and he was so gracious and so delightful to Billy so respectful and and uh, in the first place he knew who bill was and seemed to care and uh i loved him for that he's been very generous with me uh we're not under contract to the show so when they use us they have to do it judiciously um the show doesn't have the budget that it used to have uh so it's a big deal to get to do a show at all so we're really grateful, and I'm loving what uh, whatever Ron writes. Um, I'll be happy to do it. I'm I'll be still happy to be here. We live close to the studio. I can actually drive here in the morning in seven minutes. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, yeah, really nice, really good. So I'd just as soon be here as at home. <laughs> well, Susan, one of the most amazing moments of 2018 for me was watching the Lifetime Achievement Award go to you and your husband. So I can't even imagine what it was like to be you in that moment, but I would love to hear about it. A surprise, another surprise, another good surprise, uh, preceded by, we were told about it and told not to talk about it. Then we were told we would have an opportunity to make a speech. Uh, we were shown examples of other speeches, uh, so I saw the pitfalls to avoid. We were told we might have four minutes. We started writing the speech and rewriting the speech constantly. We were told the theme was nostalgia. Um, we really weren't that interested in talking about nostalgia. I wanted to talk about now and the future. We have many grown grandchildren. One grandson, uh, who is uh, who is a Silicon Valley whiz, brought out sixty-five family members on on his money to celebrate with us wow. from all over the United States. How neat! He he bought out the ballroom at the Beverly Garland, which is now the the Garland Hotel, and. Uh, built Doug's place and gave a party for all of the family members. Wow. Uh, a la Doug's place. That's incredible. With a, um, with a stage, with a pianist, with grandchildren, grown grandchildren performing. Uh, one set uh, performed uh, No Other Love Have I, which Bill sang on, in, on Broadway and Me and Juliet in the original stage keys. Bill's Bill also starred in the National Company of Bye Bye Birdie 
his children stood up and sang, kids, you know, kids, what's the matter with kids today? They did that. Uh, Billy sang The Look of Love, hitting all the high notes perfectly. They said, would you please sing it? Um, it was it was great. And then we had the, we had the Emmy show. <laughs> and the great thing about the Emmy show was the Days of Our Lives won for Best Direction, Best Supporting Actor, Best Leading Man, uh, Best Writing. I mean, and Best Show. What more could you ask? I could have gotten one, but I let the team down. <laughs> so, oh, oh so I, no. So I'm not, I'm not putting myself up this year for... Uh, I, I had such a great time last year. I didn't want to uh, get in the running this year. It, it was uh, deeply thrilling and, and, uh, and gratifying that we got to do that together. And the speech was awesome. People are still talking yeah. about that speech. Well, I wrote it for my grandchildren, my part of it, which was we want to leap into the future. We want to be relevant. We want to be romantic. We want to be relevant. We want to deal with life as it really is. And we want to dare and move forward and have confidence in the future. Love that. Well, it's a, it's it's an art form that has... Uh, shrunk its presence on television. You know, uh, Stephanie, we've talked about this, that mm-hmm. what was there is not there now. There are not that many shows anymore. So we've got to be good in order to deserve to stay on the air. And I think that's the attitude of everyone that's attached to Days of Our Lives now is. Mm-hmm. It's on our shoulders now. It's, it's, it's not a national pastime. It's got to be something that we all turn to because it's better than, than anything else. Well, it's been pretty great so far. 2018 was certainly a high point of recent years for the show. A high point. Mm-hmm. A high point, yeah. Yeah. So kudos to the writing staff and to the to the production staff and certainly to the actors this year. Certainly. And to you, of course. Yes. Um, again, congratulations oh, yeah. <laughs> on your 50th and just the year you've had. I look forward to seeing what 2019 brings. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm waiting for some calls. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you us. for this. Thank you for the opportunity to, to talk to you again yes. and to be on a podcast. I'm, I'm honored. It was um, such a pleasure. I'm honored to be interviewed. Oh, well, thank and, you for joining uh, us. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year and great times ahead. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Susan Seaforth-Hayes for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. your vehicle's oil before your summer road trip and save money now with Pennzoil and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic for just $22.95 after mail-in rebate. Save money and protect your engine against sludge and wear with the synthetic oil change. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.